0: Ah, awesome. it's beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful atmosphere Thank you. here today. God. Thank you, Jesus. Ladies, I just like take your seats for a moment. Um, under 43. 43 and under to stand up. <laughs> for those of you who don't Whoa. know, my name's Cheryl Self. Look at all these young to <laughs>
1: Parkworks Community Church at emu Park. Praise um, God. It's just great to be hey, here. That's awesome. Join with you Praise today. the Lord, all these young just ones. Just want to give you an opportunity awesome. this morning you, um, to give um into the ministry of the Capricorn women. And that's you here today. And those that are couldn't make it today, and those that are still coming. Amen. There's still women coming. They're still out there. Amen. We're starting. We've got a hunger to see God move. So today, you're giving into that. Just as you get ready, you know, I just want you just to consider others this morning. I'm a chaplain and I work with people, so it's about considering others. It's God's work to consider others. And I've learned something about women, that they support women. And in the context of our giving, This is exactly what we are doing, is supporting one another with the aim to see God's kingdom come. Love his kingdom, love his church. You know, I had a quick look on Facebook this morning and I quickly closed my iPad because I thought, nah, this is much better. (laughs) This is much better. You know, our conference is called She is Courageous and... Do you believe that it takes a brave woman to step out and give, especially when finances are limited and accounted for? But the good news this morning is that giving has much more attached to it than we may realise. The word says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. I love that. Girls... There's more, much more. More in you, more in this day, more to contribute and more girls to come. As we give, we are making room for more today. A courageous woman will step out and give generously because she knows there is much more involved than just the now. She will do over and beyond the norm because it's not about her circumstances but a heart that determines the life she wants to live through being generous. You know, I've got a girlfriend and she lost literally everything in a house fire bar her family, praise God. And, you know, her neighbourhood, her church, her community, people she worked with rallied around to contribute, to provide for her. And at the time I just didn't have the opportunity to give but had it on my heart. And then just last week I saw her and I was reminded of her situation and I had the opportunity right there and then to give to her, to meet that need in her. The place, the timing and the opportunity to do was just perfect. You know, when you have a desire to give, God will give you you. There is always someone who needs you, your support. There's always someone that needs your support. So as you give this morning, God bless you, there is someone who needs your support. Let me repeat. A courageous woman will step out and give generously because she she knows there is much more involved. Our contribution today will um, impact not just the now, but the generations to come. Thank you, Michelle, for, for this day and just for allowing us to come and, and um, feed. Let me just end with Matthew 5.16. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Can I just ask the girls to come, those who are hosting this morning? And um, we're going to pray. Why don't you just stand and hold your offering in your hand. Just think more. As you're putting your offering in this morning, just think there's more. There's much more to come. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to give today, Lord. Father, you're a good God and you've given us so much. And, Lord God, we are just giving back, Lord, some of what, Lord, that would help to support other women today. So we thank you, Father, for the givers, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would just bless them as they give. And, Father Lord, that in this, Lord, there is more. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And Everyone said? Amen. Bless you as you give. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles
0: um, to the book of um, Samuel. And in this next session, I just felt to praise God. The um, are there any certain women in the house? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Glory to God. It's a day of breakthrough. I mean, God is depositing a Spirit and the revelation of victory into each of our hearts. And I believe we need to be good receivers. We need to be good receivers. The Bible says in Hebrews uh, 4 or 5 there, it says, those who draw back, my soul has no pleasure in. Those who draw back, and sometimes, you know, unworthiness causes us to, to to not feel like we're on, you know, sure ground. We're not sometimes feeling that unworthiness to come into his presence. And And I've got four granddaughters. The eldest is 11, and the youngest is two. And my eldest daughter has two girls, and my Youngest son has two girls the youngest uh, the two youngest are ruby and miller Ruby is quite a forthright girl she's was just turned five and uh, her little sister miller was um and Miller is a ranger if you're <laughs> got a ranger yay a little redhead <laughs> and um and uh so she's um she she's quite shy you know she was quite uh with a with a fairly forthright older sister who would you know um take toys from her push her out of the way when she was toddling around and you know i'd go and play with ruby and and uh and miller wasn't quite sure she'd sort of go toddling past and and sometimes they'd be playing and, and ruby would just snatch a toy off her or i'm uh, um, uh, you know in the process of playing bump her out of the way or whatever i'd see miller just tottering off and getting another toy and we certainly say ruby be kind to your sister and all that but um I found that when she turned two, particularly around that age, there was a shift. There was a shift. <laughs> and, and by the time she had a two-year-old birthday, and there she was, you know, and I saw this shift come over her, and it was like, this is my cake. This is my birthday. These are my presents. I blow my candles out. I open my presents, and I expect to open my presents. You know, I'm not opening them because Ruby's finally letting me open them, <laughs> um, and I saw this this confidence come over her, and so instead of her kind of like being a bit wary and just sort of just going off and toddling off and playing some other game, I found that when when um, when I was bouncing Ruby on my knee and we play this game where I pretend to drop her, and um, fortunately I catch her in time, <laughs> and um, and uh, Miller she just shows up right there beside Ruby and she says my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. You see, the revelation came to her that everybody gets a turn. I belong to this family. That's my nana. That's my parents. I get a turn, my turn. And God wants us to be good receivers. Amen. And everybody gets a turn. Hallelujah. Everybody's got an inheritance. And when we come into the throne, sometimes, you know, we need to say, I'm coming just like that little, that little child that says, my turn, my turn, my God. My inheritance, my promises, my turn. In fact, she just sort of got the revelation so much that Kelly, my daughter-in-law, said to us, Lawrence, when he got home one day, you're going to have to speak to Miller because she started to bite Ruby. (laughs) When you're two, you've got to fall upon whatever resources you have. (laughs) So Lawrence says to Miller, Miller, come here. Have you been biting your sister? Yes. Did she taste good? Yes. You're going to do it again? Yes. <laughs> said, no, you're not. But we have to be good receivers. Everybody gets a turn in the family of God. You have an inheritance. He's no respecter of persons, amen. God just wants to break that unworthiness that, you know, we're to come boldly into the throne room of grace to receive. The Bible says that we become partakers of his divine nature, even through the exceedingly great and precious promises. Amen. And so I felt this this, this session to, to just speak about coming through the process, because everybody, there's a preparational price tag for what God wants to bring you into. Exaltation without preparation equals devastation. But exaltation with God's uh, pr- preparation re- releases us into God's divine revelation for our lives. Amen. And so there is a preparational price tag. And uh, You know, before God promotes you, he takes you through a preparational season or seasons. And uh, uh, Romans chapter 5 talks about the tribulations that we go through. James chapter 1 verse 4 says, Count it all joy. Laugh hilariously when you're going through diverse trials and tests and pressures, knowing the trial of your faith. You're not on trial. Your faith is. Faith that's not tested is not worth much. Who knows that everybody can have a good confession and and have faith when, when you're having a happy, clappy time. There's money in the bank. Everybody loves you. The kids are all well, all those. But it's when the chips are down, when the pressures come, that our faith is being tested. And before ever God promotes you, he allows you to be tested. He says, I have chosen you, not on the best days, but in the furnace of much affliction, I have chosen thee behold. And for iron, I'll give you silver. And for brass, I'll give you gold. So there is a choosing of God that's happening. When we're going through those pressures, we're going through those testings. And one of the greatest examples of the processes of God is, is the life of David. And I love the story of David. And there's about 11 chapters given to the story of Joseph and, and uh, you know, 14 or more given to the story of Abraham. And different great men of, women of faith have a lot of the word attributed to them. But um, David has about 65 chapters, um, did I say books or chapters before, 11 chapters and whatever, but David has about 64 chapters attributed to his life. He He's a very significant person and God um, speaks about David being a man after his own heart. So I want to just talk about the process and your purpose will determine your process. Your purpose will determine your process and God will allow our lives to be processed, very, to answer the very prayers that we've prayed. Amen? And so David was in four places geographically to come into three anointings. And, uh, and um, we don't want to skip the processes because you know how somebody gets there, getting their, their degree or getting their qualifications, and they said, oh, you, you can't actually, we can't actually give it to you because you, you need to complete this module. You need to complete this elective that was part of the module and and so there are there are um, non negotiables that are part of who we are. the Bible says that uh, you know don't don 't promote a novice uh, don 't promote someone who hasn 't been prepared because you set them up for a fall and then you set them up to to, to fail and and uh, and that failure if it gets on the inside we 'll talk to them all the time but if we know that that God will allow me to go through pressures. The world talks about the IQ, you know, being wonderful, the intelligence quota. And then they started to talk about the EQ, the emotional intelligence, the ability to make short-term decisions for long-term benefits, the ability to make mature choices. But they're coming up with a new one called the AQ level, the adversity quota. And they're looking at how people respond to difficult situations to determine whether they can be promoted, even in the business realm, even to places of high-pressured jobs. Because when, when the chips are down, when the pressure comes, uh, you know, are we are going to spit the dummy? Are they going to chuck in the towel? Are they going get, to get discouraged? Are they going to continue to believe that they can walk through the problem? Now, God has an AQ level for all of us. <laughs> Amen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers out of them all. Amen. Every one of them, the Lord delivers out of them all. And so just having a look very quickly as an overview, the four geographical places David was at. Number one, he was at Bethlehem, the house of bread. Amen. And uh, the house of bread represents finding a place where you allow your roots to go down. Amen. We need to be people who will um, have a a good... um, report amongst the brethren and to build relationships and to grow in the place where we're planted. And so Bethlehem, place of beginning, and um, I'm just going to quickly touch on them to get to the uh, key scripture I want to refer to. But Bethlehem was a place of calling and he, David did three things in Bethlehem. Number one, he attached himself to a reigning king. For him that was Saul, but he served him wholeheartedly. He found a king to serve, a giant to beat, and a friend to love and uh, and we need to be able to be people who are able to walk in covenant, walk in humility. I want to say this pride won 't serve pride won 't serve, and pride won 't wait and so we need to be aware that that the, the times of processing God will often put us in the process of time uh, till, till we die to every every uh, every um uh, pressure to to initiate our own change, to make it happen, to to run ahead of God, and and um, um, I remember actually um, uh, I was uh, actually ministering in Maryborough many years ago, and uh, I was to meet the um, ladies' leader, another lady at this um, at this uh, spot, I think it was a garage or something, but then follow them back to where where the church was, and I remember. Um, I was got in a bit of a bit of a switched off, bit of a blonde moment. And I'm following them. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this thought came. Going a bit slow, so I indicated, and I passed them. <laughs> and then I realised, it's really dumb. Because now I don't know where I'm going, so I had to pull over. <laughs> I, sorry. I just kind of got into automatic pilot, indicated, passed them. we're zooming off the... Like, <laughs> that was just like the dumbest thing, and, 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 and we can laugh about that. But you know, we do that to God, and we can, we can kind of like, uh, that's a great idea. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to, yeah, you know, I'm going to initiate my own change. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to, and, and we've actually passed God. You know, He's back there in the last process, waiting for us to, you know, work through the issues. And when God is wanting to develop us, our character, He he, he's a deliverer, but he spreads our deliverance over a period of time to get the maximum of change in our character. Amen? Amen. That we would, we, you know, love is patient and kind. That's if we could get to first base there, we'd be really winning. Hey? <laughs> love is patient and kind. <laughs> it doesn't envy. It doesn't promote itself. It doesn't take any account of wrong. Amen? I remember getting really mad with my husband once. And I was so mad, I was thinking of all the things that I needed to tell him off about. And there were so many things that I actually wrote, did it in an email to myself so I wouldn't forget. Because <laughs> he really needed a good serve. You know, I knew really he needed to tell him off. And I thought, there's so many things, I have to actually try and remember them. So I wrote him in an email, <laughs> thinking one day I may send it to him. No, no. <laughs> but I sent it to myself to keep a record. <laughs> I know you've never done that, but anyway. <laughs> but praise God! Quite a time later, I came across this email, <laughs> and I thought, I can't believe I actually wrote that. <laughs> I can't believe I actually, f- oh, but I did remember being so frustrated and cranky, and I thought, I just don't even relate to that email now. I just keep it on record for a bit of a laugh. I <laughs> hope I just never accidentally s- press send. <laughs> Love is patient and kind. Amen. Someone who's really difficult to love sometimes is the, is the most needy of love. Is the most needy of love. Someone who, who can be difficult often have the greatest the greatest. That child that's the most difficult has the greatest need for love. Amen? And so patient and kind. These things, these are non negotiables with God. Amen. We cannot be, uh, especially if we want to fulfill god 's destiny we 're representing him wherever we are, wherever we go so so David attached himself to a reigning king He's, he got involved, he served, and he and uh, you will never have to look for a giant they 'll come looking for you <laughs> and uh, and so God will allow your your anointing your gifting to show up and and uh, when David killed Goliath it wasn 't his cue to go off and and fulfill the prophetic word he'd had from Samuel. The Bible says he just stayed and he served, and he built covenant relationship with a friend called Jonathan. And uh, sometimes it's not as easy to build relationships, but that's where faith comes in. The Bible says, "He who would have friends must show himself friendly." And I remember when my husband said to me one day, "He said we got no friends." <laughs> I said, "What are you talking? Thinking, what are you talking about? I've got lots of friends. I've got friends at church. I've got friends. I'm friendly." He said, but we've got no one we go to dinner with. We've got no one we, go to, we hang out with. I thought, well, I don't really want to go to dinner with people. I see them all the time. I'm in church with them, you know. And, you know, aren't I enough? Dinner with me. Dinner with me. Dinner with me. Why would you want friends? <laughs> so I said, oh, okay. Okay, well, who do you reckon to be a good friend for us? Let's look for friends. <laughs> And so there was a couple in our church and, uh, called Don and Ann. And uh, he said, what about Don and Ann? I said, okay. Well, we'll ask them over for dinner. So we asked them over for dinner. And uh, we had a great night and probably had, uh, you know, caught up again at a coffee shop or whatever. But, but it was interesting because he and Don got on okay, but Ann and I became lifelong friends. And I would never have thought of it because we're very different. In fact, um, I got I got her a thing for her birthday just recently. The tea towel that said, um, um, "God made us best friends because our mo- mothers couldn't our mothers couldn't handle it if we were sisters. We're <laughs> very different. <laughs> very different. But you see, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes you have to go out of your way. Amen. And I would not have thought that. And so, you know, um, so so he found a friend to love. There are covenant relationships that are there for you, amen? Sometimes you have to search it out. Sometimes you have to, you know, um, you know connect with people and, and uh, you know, find your tribe. Find, find who's of the same. You don't have to marry. a uh, marry. You don't have to connect up with someone who's just like you. In fact, opposites, often the best sort of friends. I find my, with my friend Anne, if I have a bit of a whinge, she just changed the subject. <laughs> 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 What's with that? okay i get the message (laughs) just venting just venting (laughs) that's what you want you want someone who's gonna you're better than that you're better than that attitude then then actually say yeah that was really rotten that was really mean You, you know find covenant friends and they may be very different to you and they may it may be that you have to reach out and um and uh you know try out a few (laughs) <laughs> I remember when my second eldest granddaughter, I was looking after them and they were going to, going to a, a, like a preschool um, and the younger ones went into a sort of a childcare but they were in the same place. And so I was taking Mia this day and Mia was um, probably probably about two and a half and, and she went a couple of days a week. And so as we came into the, the centre there and I held her, we put, held her hand we put her lunchbox away and she said, Nana, Nana, you find me friend, you find me friend? Okay. And I took her over to this table where they were playing puzzles. I said, "What about here?" She said, "Not that one, Hannah. No, not that one. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> you find me, friend. You find me, friend." <laughs> Sometimes you gotta you gotta try out a few, okay? There are horses for courses. There are people that you're gonna really connect with, and it doesn't mean you know what I mean. There's you know, that the, 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 the people that that you're gonna connect with, and that's no disparity on. On, on someone that didn't quite make the grade. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, and you can say to Jesus, you find me friend? <laughs> and so he, he built relationship. He was he was humble and he, and, he, and he took the time. People matter. People matter. And I love the story of David when he was tired in the battle because the enemy had come against him with a new sword. I felt like even this season of extra warfare that's come against people, the enemy's picked up almost like new, new, new tactics, like a new, new, new season of coming against you. But David, the Bible says that he had four friends, that each giant that came, that friend took out the giant, four friends. And here's the victory that says that these David, these giants were killed by David and his servants. God attributed the victory to a man who'd taken the time to build covenant relationship. And he, there was nobody with Saul's reign all the army around Saul ran from the giant. There was not one that would stand up to a giant. But David had the, taken the time to build giant killing anointing. Each one of his friends killed giants. He was surrounded by a team of giant killers. But he took time, amen, to build it in. And every enemy, the four giants came up and each one, uh, David's friend, took them out. You know, your breakthrough is in the house. Turn, turn to someone and tell them you need me. <laughs> tell someone else, I need you. I need you. <laughs> you do not know. We do not know what we forfeit when we decide that we're going to have a, you know, a break from church or we're, you know, we're just going just gonna to go once a fortnight or whatever. You know, the, the Bible says, forsake not the gathering together as is the manner of some. Amen. I know when, when I was a younger Christian, when my car was stolen and it was only worth $1,000, so it wasn't insured. It was a Tirana, <laughs> and, um, and it was nicknamed the Bat- Batmobile, and uh, my, my driving has improved since then, but my nickname was the Flying Nun. But um, <laughs> and I remember when, when uh, that happened, and it was a, a challenging time. And, but, but it was about three weeks later, that a lady in the church I didn't know very well. I thought she was poorer than me. And she came up and she wrote out a check for $10,000 and said, here, go buy yourself another car. I'm so glad I went to church that day. I'm so glad I was in the house of God, amen, because God delivered me, but it came via someone in the house of God, amen. So David, um, here he was. He found a king to serve, a giant to beat, and a friend to love. And as he developed that, the second place he went to, and after Saul got jealous of his anointing, jealous of his... um, Uh, you know, his uh, popularity when they started singing. uh, David, uh, Saul's killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And people, he got really jealous and he started to just wanted to kill David. And so, you know, just when you think that your anointings are growing and you're having some uh, favor or whatever, and then the the thing is that Saul decides to try and kill him. And David is hunted out of the, out of the uh, palace, out of the, out of the kingdom, so to speak, and he finds himself running uh, away, having to run for his life. And his wife was taken from him, given to another man. Um, it was just like, what, who turned the lights out? You know, what, What's going on? His world turned upside down. And uh, so as he's there, he finds himself in the cave of Adullam. He runs and hides in the wilderness in the cave of Adullam. And the word Adullam means to be dangled over a dry well. Amen. If you've ever felt like you've been dangling over a dry well, you know, tie a knot in the end of the rope and hang on. It's going to get a whole lot better. Amen. Tell someone it's going to get a whole lot better. (laughs) And when he was in in that cave, uh, 400 men turned up, and I guess their families as well, every one of them were in debt, in discontent, and uh, in debt, in discontent, and what's the other one? They were depressed anyway. <laughs> 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 the Triple D Company, F Troop, showed up. <laughs> and, um, and here he was. He could have actually said, Beat it a buster, find your own cave. This, I got here first, get out of here. You know, this raggle-taggle bunch of men turn up. He could have said, look, you know, you, you don't know what I've been going through you wouldn't know what I've been going through. You wouldn't even begin to imagine what I've been going through. But the Bible says this, no temptation, trial or test that's given is not common to man. And when you're going through stuff and you think, golly, I'm probably the only person that's ever felt this desperate, this depressed, this, this discouraged. And yet the people around about you have been going through stuff. Amen. It says, but with every one of them, he makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it so god's way way of escape is into him it's not waving a magic wand and everything changes overnight that you may be able to bear it and go through though you go through the fires peter was uh jesus said satan has asked permission to test you like wheat and the enemy has permission to test you to the degree you're called to impact his kingdom hallelujah For what the enemy means for evil he'll turn it around for great good Hallelujah. He'll take the greatest place of weakness and turn it into your greatest strength. The very sword that the enemy's used against you, stuck it in your back, will become a weapon in your hand and give you a double portion of anointing over that thing. Amen? Yep. Hallelujah. And so David, he runs to the cave of Adullam, and the Bible says that he, he, he embraces these guys. They didn't know that in that damp, dark cave, with a, and desperate, and discontent, and in debt, that's it, in debt. <laughs> that they were the whole new regime being birthed for Israel. They were the captains and lieutenants of a new, a new era in Israel. They just thought they just wanted to get the next meal on the table, be able to look after their wife and kids. But David there, he actually began to train them in the DNA that he had, the relationship he built with, with God in the, the desert when he was singing those songs and, and he was just minding the sheep that he developed the lion-killing anointing, the bear-killing anointing, the giant-killing anointing. He had a relationship with God that he began to impart into the lives of these these guys. And so in that place of Adullam, he had to learn, number one, character, the time of learning responsibility. He took responsibility of those men. He had to learn to wait and he had to learn compassion, compassion, because these men were all going through difficulties, going through trials. And so he became a captain over them. The Bible says it triggered the captain anointing. It triggered a level of leadership and authority. They began to rise up because God was preparing him to sit on the throne of a, a destiny that would lead Israel into its golden years, into its victorious, most victorious place. So he's being prepared. And sometimes when you know, there's, there's an opportunity to maybe look after, you know, a, a women's area or there's a Sunday school or, or um, an area of service. And uh, we don't know what God's preparing us for. And we have to know that God will use serving as the greatest key. You serve your way to success. Amen. Your destiny is linked to your service. Your destiny is linked to your service, not, not, not the gift. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, and we need to develop that gifting. Absolutely, but God used a jackass to prophesy—Balaam's <laughs> ass. <laughs> but I tell you what, character takes a bit more than that. Amen. Amen. And um, so, so, so the hardest thing is for God to find someone who'll wait who'll listen for his leading, who won't jump ahead of him, who won't get an attitude. He'll wait a whole generation for one David. He'll wait a whole generation for Joseph. Because Paul said these words, he said, I can find not men like-minded such as myself, Timothy, for everybody's wrapped up in their own needs. Everybody's caught up leading their own stuff. And I thought they'd be lined up wanting to be mentored by Paul. It'd be like, it'd be like Benny Hinn, or it'd be like Joyce Meyer. Yes, we'd be all lining up, but Paul said, I can't find anyone of like mind that has got a servant's heart that wants to, that's in it for the, the benefit of others. Amen? And so, and so God wants to develop that in us. And so after he had developed those areas, the Bible says Saul was killed in battle. And um, after Saul is killed in battle, I want to say this, the souls in your life will die by their own hand. You don't need to agitate. You don't need to make it happen. And when Saul is killed in battle, and David had an opportunity to kill Saul a lot earlier on. Saul had come into the very cave his men were hiding in to relieve himself. And so his men said, Look, David, the Lord has delivered Saul into your your own hand. Pick up your sword and run him through, you know. And so um, David just got his sword and he cut off just an edge of his uh, mantle, tunic, and, um, and so, um, when he, um, but his conscience smote him, the Bible says he was convicted. And, uh, and so as Saul and his men were there, David came out of the cave with his men and said, you know, my Lord and my King, he was showing them the, the piece of the garment he cut off. My Lord and my King, he was modeling honor for his men. It's important what people learn from you. He was modeling honor. He said, my, my Lord and my King. And, um. And so it pleased God for David to hold his peace and wait longer. That attitude pleased God. And sometimes when we wait, waiting increases the capacity of the weight of his glory. Amen. God cannot use people who cannot wait. And God will allow us to go through a a considerable period of time. And You know, we don't want to just get good at waiting in line. But as we continue to develop while we're waiting... The book of Peter says to you, you know, for your, to your faithfulness, add patience, to your patience, goodness, add, add, add. God's expecting us to grow in these things, to add. The, so it's in 1 Peter chapter 1, I think it is, talks about the things we're meant to be adding. God expects us to grow, not just be good waiting in line, learn to tap our foot, and, you know, I'm waiting for the promise, I'm waiting for the miracle. But what are, you, what are we doing while we're waiting? Are we serving? Are we growing? Are we developing those godly attitudes? Amen. And so, um, you know, the, the, the skills that God's given need to be developed. You know, they need to be, um, you know, honed and what better place than, you know, a women's meeting or, you know, a children's church and these things where you have the opportunity to develop the ability to, to bring forth what God wants you to bring forth. Amen. And so after the cave, after Saul is killed in battle, David says, will I go up? He could have said, I've got a prophecy Saul's out of the way. I'll march into Jerusalem and say, I'm the next king. Samuel's given me the prophecy. Uh, I've been faithful all this time. Now, you should give the leadership to me. But when he inquired of the Lord, what will I do? Where will I go? Um, Will I go up into, um, you know, the place you have for me? And God says, go up to Hebron. And Hebron was where the tribe of Judah lived, the tribe of Judah were. And the tribe of Judah was a small, insignificant tribe then. They didn't even have an army. And and David was there at Hebron. Now, the word Hebron means seat of association, seat of association, or it means covenant. And it was only a fraction of his destiny. And he could have said, oh, no, I'm called to be king of all Israel, not this small You know, small tribe, but he proudly accepted the men of Judah as his final destination. And you will be tested with things. Despise not the day of small beginnings; your latter end will be great. Despise not the day of slow beginnings. And sometimes God's looking at how we accept a lower position. The Bible says He accepted those men of Judah as if they were His final destiny with passion and with zeal. He came into covenant with them. came into covenant with them. He came into covenant with Abner, who had been the head of Saul's army. And uh, he got ticked off with Saul. And uh, he came over and he said, um, David, if you cut covenant with me, I'll, make you, I'll bring all of Israel over to you. And so he cut covenant with a man who hated him, who tried to kill him. And if God says, just bury the hatchet and extend. And come into relationship. He knows what the purpose is. Abner was instrumental for a short period of time to bring Israel over to, to come into David's um, sphere. But um, Abner ended up being um, dying uh, quite soon after that with an assassination. And the Bible says that David came into covenant with all the people of Israel in Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 3. And I want to turn there Because the Lord has a a word there for today. So that was a bit of a long lead up to where David came to, which I believe we're at this point prophetically in um, 2 Samuel, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 5. David has been at the third location and he's had two anointings and he's about to cut covenant... And in 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 1, then all the tribes of Israel came to David and said, indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. You know, we're we're actually of the same DNA. In times past when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. You were the head of his army. You warred, you fought. And the Lord said, you shall rule uh, my people Israel and be ruler over them. They said, well, we did remember you had some sort of prophecy way back then from Samuel and you see, they had nobody left. Yeah, their, their previous king, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, had been assassinated. There was nobody left. So they finally come to David. And it says there that all the elders of Israel came to David at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over all Israel. And it was possible for the first time now for all the tribes to be united. And there is a fresh anointing for unity across the whole body of Christ. And we're, we're, we're coming together. And I'm sure even here today, we represent different streams. We represent different houses. But we've come together under the banner of the Lord. Amen. And we're different tribes. And that's good. We're meant to be um, flowing in rank and in where we should be. But the unity is based on the love of God, that we serve the same king. We have the same father. Amen. And so here they were. And, and David, um, you know, I reckon it's like the Stephen Bradbury anointing. <laughs> because Stephen Bradbury was the only Australian to win a gold medal in the Winter Olympics. Remember, he was coming last and everybody fell over. (laughs) In fact, I don't remember any of those Olympic Games except the name Stephen Bradbury, and he has gone on to be a very successful motivational speaker. (laughs) we all like someone who's come from behind, hey? But David was like that. Every, there was nobody left and he could have said you know get out of here you, you didn't believe in me you ostracized me you overlooked me all the time there was someone else to pick very unglamorous step into ministry and destiny there's nobody left Ah, uh, what about David you reckon oh yeah you had that prophecy you know from Samuel he's been he's been I think he's in the army I think he's yeah. that's right he killed Goliath you know it was like very unglamorous you know it's David will you be king he could have said uh, you know yeah you 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 fair weather friends you didn't believe in me but he he proudly accepted those men came into covenant and uh, it was possible to unite all of Israel it was possible for a mighty move of God in the earth and I believe your position and getting ready for an amazing work of God. But personally, God is doing something singularly in every person's life. The Bible says, David, as he came into covenant, he went to the fourth destination, the fourth geographical place. I want you to see what happened in 2 Samuel chapter 5. It says there in verse 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah for seven and a half years. And that little tribe of Judah recognized his destiny. Seven and a half years before all of Israel got the message. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem. They're all active verbs from here on. And they went to Jerusalem. And uh, there, the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land, said, you're not, you're not coming into this new season. You're not coming into this new promotion. And that's the mocking of the enemy. You're not, you, not going to have your inheritance and they said because in all the time of judges, in all the time of Joshua, in in the, the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land, the Jebusites—you know the the ites, you know the the, 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 um, you know, the, different ites, the Hittites, the the, the um, Agagites, the you know the Moabites, the Vegabites—but anyway, all the ites were there. And uh, but the Jebusites, those have beaten all those other ites. But the the Jebus—the word Jebus means to crush and condemn. Make feel unworthy, and uh, and that old stinking unworthiness, inferiority, that crushing thing, and and you know Australia, um, Australians are a little bit prone to that. You know the little Aussie battlers, just little Aussie, Aussie battlers. You know we've other people have got the Arc de Triomphe, the, the you know the the, the 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 leaning the tower, the you know the, that other tower, not the leaning one, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> But well, what have we got? We've got the big banana. <laughs> we've got the big prawn. <laughs> we've, got, we've got the big apple. We've got big, what else have we The big big mango. And do you know what we're going to have soon? There's actually a town in New South Wales called Bogan. <laughs> and we're going to have the big bogan soon. <laughs> Giant bogan. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it'll do wonders for the town. Everybody will want to go have the picture taken with the big bogan. In fact, my son-in-law, I gave him a book for Christmas called Boganomics. (laughs) What stubbies to wear with what thongs (laughs) and what (laughs) t-shirt. But our our culture is a little bit like that, you know. um, The understatement—currently true story—the Aussies, Aussie blokes at the at the. surfing tournament over there in Hawaii and, and uh, this was a number of years ago and they're, they're out on the beach and there's huge swells, huge swells. The two Aussies, one says to the other, she's a bit flat, mate, Swan one, not she? A bit flat. <laughs> you know, the great understatement. But we have to be careful that it doesn't flip over into inferiority, it's, you know, into that, that, that the Jebusite, not good enough unworthy, um, crush, condemn, all those things that are trying, that have tried to label you as not good enough. And the Bible says that the Jebusites and all the time of Judges, all the time of Joshua, nobody had a strategy to shift them. And they were in the tribe, the Benjamites were meant to drive them out, Sauls of the tribe of Benjamin. And so in the coming of David, he got a revelation he got he got he got an answer and i believe god is releasing revelation into your life into our lives today And as he approached, he said, we're going up to Zion. We're taking the full breakthrough. I'm going to, you know, it's a picture of us being everything Jesus Christ died to give us. We're not just meant to go through the stages. We're meant to rule in Zion. Out of the midst of Zion, I'll extend the scepter of my authority. It's a prophetic picture of stepping into the fullness of your calling, stepping into the fullness of freedom, stepping into the fullness of everything Jesus died to give you. Amen? And the revelation was this. Whoever goes up the water shaft... Hallelujah. Whoever goes up the water shaft of, uh, of uh, Zion, I'm going to make him leader and, uh, and head of my army. And the Bible says Joab and, the, um, and Joab leads a group. And the word Joab means Joab, it's a, it means the, the son of a father, it means the revelation of fatherhood. It means a, someone with a revelation, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. I'm a, I'm a daughter of the most high God. I have a destiny. I have an inheritance. Yes. And going up the water shaft, was well, that was where they actually drew water. That's why the Jebusites thought, you know, the Bible says that they put the lame and the blind on the parapets to just roll stones down because they said, David, even the lame and the blind are going to keep you out. It's a prophetic picture of the things that have made you and I limp through life. The lameness of inferiority, the lameness of unworthiness, the blindness of really not seeing ourselves as God sees us. Amen. That that, that we're that we're the head and not the tail. And um, my daughter Peter came to the Shine Conference this year, and she actually shared a testimony. And she was um, she was um, really affected by eating disorders, and um, and uh, just got um, involved in a relationship with someone who was. Very much away from God, taking drugs and all that sort of stuff, and, and she talked about her journey back and, and to the Lord, and she said that when she came back to the Lord, she felt when she came to church like a mangy cat that would come in the back door just looking for scraps. you know sometimes that pig pen the thing, you know can stick or stay around you. Amen, and God wants us to be good receivers to say, "My turn, I have a covenant, I have, a, I have an inheritance, amen." So the, the, coming up the water shaft, I believe God's bringing a fresh revelation. And, and Yara and I were talking about it in the break, the fresh revelation of the Word. Amen? It's the Word working mightily in you. He's given us the Word. He's given us a revelation, the washing of His Word, internal change that will bring external breakthrough, that a fresh revelation that God's Word is true and settled forever in heaven. And I believe that we had a, we had a, a move a years ago, the faith movement, which was great. But it became almost like a, not superficial, but it was like, oh, don't say that, that's negative, you hung with your tongue, just, just blab it and grab it. You know, it was all that sort of, you know, your confession, watch your confession. But I believe that some of that got a bit extreme and we were turned off by it. But there's a fresh understanding that the Word of God is quick, alive, and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. And I would say to you this today if we're serious about breakthrough, that we need to be able to quickly point to and confess and quote at least half a dozen scriptures that pertain to that breakthrough. Because it's one thing to, to, to you know, have a miracle, because Benny Hens, Benny Hinn, anyway, <laughs> lays hands on you, or Joyce Meyer. But it's another thing to have a breakthrough because of the Word of God, because that will never leave you. Hallelujah. The Word working mightily in you to decree it, to speak it out, to confess it. Amen. And so the revelation, they got a revelation. He went up the the water shaft and the Bible says that he came out. And uh, I just want to read these scriptures. It says, nevertheless, David took the stronghold. The things that have made us, you know, limp through life. God's breaking off, I believe, today. And uh, it says, um, and David dwelt in the stronghold, called it the city of David, built all around, went forward, became great. I believe that as he built his life around the purposes of God, God's about to add greatness to your life. Amen? God's about to add greatness, greatness to your family. He's going to give you a great family, a great marriage, a great future, a great destiny, and things that have, it seems like they had to live on the outskirts of Jerusalem. They couldn't dwell in Zion before David came. But David took Zion. He built it, fortified it, built his life around the principles of God. He became great, went on, went on. You ready to go on, amen? Forward-moving Christians. He went on, and he became great, and he fulfilled. Well, the Philistines came out once more to test the anointing. There will be battles. But the Bible said that he'd come into that new level of anointing, and he said to God, you know, um, what should I do? And God said, uh, go up, go forth, and call this place Baal Perazim. And he came into greater breakthrough, the breaking forth as many waters. The the spirit of God was the sound of marching in the moby trees. And off he went to bring back the presence of God that had been missing in action, brought Israel into its golden years. But it all pivoted around the taking of the water shaft. And I believe that we need to have today a receiving heart to receive a fresh revelation of his promises. Amen of his promises. And I would encourage you, get get a journal. And if it's your kids, if it's finances, if it's your health, whatever it is, put it at the top and ask the Holy Spirit, go through your concordance or whatever, get four or five or six scriptures that you would confess, that you would speak out, maybe 10, whatever you feel that you would decree it, you would speak it out because there is a season now to speak the word. I love the story of um, Dodie Osteen, Joel Osteen's mother, uh, grandmother, mother or grandmother, anyway. Mother, thank you. You looked look that old. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dodie. Anyway, but yeah, she got a very, very aggressive cancer. Was only given about eight weeks to live. Her son, who's a doctor, was just came in and crying and he said, she told him to stop right now. And she said, I'm going to fight this and I want you to fight it with me. And I don't want you to treat me in any way different. I'm not an invalid and I'm going to, I want you to agree with the word of God. And she's got a little booklet out of about 35, 40 scriptures. She still confesses them to this day. But she spoke those those words out every day, every day, every day for several weeks. And I'm challenged by that because there's times I want to break through, but I've been lazy. You know, in some areas, I can't tell you I've got 35 scriptures for a certain thing I'm believing for but I'm certainly going after that. God's given me a revelation. It's the word, it's the word, the word God speaking through his word. Amen. mean, even, even with a prophetic word, we need to support it with the word and we need to, you know, let the, let the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart line up with whatever breakthrough. Amen. To not entertain, you know, it's not fair. Why, why isn't it happening? We can't afford the luxury of that. We have got to actually say, God, Lord, I'm just agreeing with your word. I'm not, do not consult your emotions to see whether this be so. Do not consult your circumstances because the word of God is greater than any problem. The word of God, you just confess it and confess it and confess it. And you know, it doesn't get better gradually. I found this. It's just one day this and the next day. Wow, it's just manifested. Amen? Because God's word will work mightily in every situation. And I believe God wants to release a fresh anointing it says he went on he became great and he fulfilled his destiny we've been going through a process of preparation we've been letting you know god's been after character to carry the call that that when when we step into those things there's no self resonating back there's no motives that are mixed there's no there's no things that start to um, get involved in our heart our hearts are our hearts are like idol making factories we are so quick to make an idol, but after God takes you through a process, amen, like Joseph in the prison, 13 odd years, and when he was uh, given the uh, dream to interpret, he said, it's not in me. Previously, he was saying, I've got all the nine gifts, I've got nine gifts, I've got the nine fruits, I've got it all happening. I'm sure I'm called to be an apostle. <laughs> well, sort of, you saying that. But he said, it's not in me to give Pharaoh the dream, but I know the one who will the dependency upon God. Who is this coming up out of the wilderness, out of this old season, leaning on the arm of the beloved? We've got to be courageous, ladies. We've got to be courageous to let him deal with the flesh, deal with the attitudes. i probably need to delete that email. <laughs> it's more a reminder of how mean I used to be. Mean. <laughs> he probably never would recover if he read it, but anyway. Today, I just sense that there's a... There is a covenant God wants to cut afresh. and He wants to release revelation for every circumstance because David got the revelation. Nobody had been able to step further, going on any further. But then he got the revelation, a deep revelation. And I believe God's going to release a deep revelation, revelatory word. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. God wants to put a rhema word in your heart. Can we just stand right now and... Um, Thank you, Lord. This morning, if while I've been speaking, if you've been in a process or there's been some circumstances, you know, the Bible says my people perish through lack of knowledge. And I have found because I did a study of the word servanthood and there's four different levels of service. There's the adulam, servant heart, that means without pay or recognition, a slave. Next one is a domestic servant who will serve under less than ideal conditions. Then it says Moses served his household and David served his generation. Before God ever released you into a generational call or a kingly authority, we have to learn how to relate to the circumstances we're in right now with an attitude and a sweetness. We say, Lord, help, help my attitudes and I believe God wants to release a fresh rhema into every heart. And if while I've been speaking, there's a part of the process you relate to. I just want you to come and, and come forward this morning and just give opportunity to connect with the word. And I know in this afternoon session, we're going to make a lot more time for personal ministry. But if you're coming into agreement that says, Lord, I thank you for that third level of anointing. Lord, I want to, I want to come into the Zion, the full manifestation of your call, and Lord, I thank you for the water shaft revelation, the rhema of God, the strategies of God, the breakthroughs of God in the promises of your word. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to come forward today to just come into agreement with this word. And, and I believe God is, all over is going to release rhema words, rhema words. And certainly in the, in the session after lunch, I want to make time for personal ministry. But I want you to know that God's word coming into your heart is much more powerful than a prophetic word. And so this morning, if that's you, I just want you to slip out of your seat wherever you are. Hallelujah. Could I have someone on the keyboard if that's okay? Wherever you are, all over. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we stand on the, the precipice or the Or the very place of incredible change, of great breakthrough. And many, many of your precious saints have been through Bethlehem, the place of beginnings, and the anointing there, and the giants, and the service, and the covenant relationship. Many have been in the cave of Adullam. And many have gone on to Hebron and formed covenant covenant relationships and growing and growing in the knowledge and the strength and the power of God. Lord, we, we, we want to be Zion taking saints, because that's the prize. Zion, the city of the most high God, the full reigning of you in our hearts, the full reigning of you in our circumstances. We don't want to live on the outskirts. We don't want to see those things afar of off God. Hallelujah. And just as you're in his presence you know, I see those trees and I hear the Lord say that I'm laying an axe to the root of the tree, the old trees. I'm laying an axe to the old circumstances and the old, old understandings. Lean not to your own understanding. God says, I'm cutting away even those old, old um, processes where there's been different mindsets and different labels. God says, I am, I'm, I'm rolling away the reproach of the years, the tears and fears. I'm rolling away the labels of inferiority of, of worthlessness, I'm rolling away those old mockings of the enemy, and I am breaking the caveats of the enemy. I'm breaking them, says the Lord. I'm breaking them for a full inheritance, a full, a full recompense be given you, daughters, from the Lord under whose wings you shelter. The God says, "I'm a God of recompense. I'm the God of 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 of." Uh, reward. I'm the God of compensation and I'm going to make you glad in proportion to the years you've known affliction. For God says, no, that, with that which I'm bringing you through to and into will seem palatial compared to what you've been walking through. So the Lord says, get ready for surely no before you, there is even an opening up or there is even a fresh voice that's saying, come up here to this new place. Come up here. For there is a door standing open in the heavenly realm. For I would have you to know you're not only Here, but you're seated in heavenly places with me. And I raise up the lowly, even out of the ashes. I stoop down with loving kindness and lift them up. To set them in a throne of princes, with princes that they might inherit the throne of glory. And God says, from this time, time forth, you're going to accelerate, quicken and grow and go very, very, very far in a relatively short time. For God says, I am taking time out of the equation. It's no longer going to take a lot of time. God says, this is a now word. This is a suddenly time. It's a season of suddenlies. And God says, you're going to find, yes, even in the next three days, there will be much indication of a new season. Reason. and God says I am the Lord who answers prayer and God says Even where you've said, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of miracles? Where is the God of breakthrough? And God says, I have put that mantle, i put that word in your hand. And I'd have you to smite the waters. I'd have you to go up the water shaft. I'd have you to go forth this day. For no, this day, I'm bringing you out even at, at a new level. It's into a large and prosperous place. And I'm breaking off the spirit of lack. God says, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. So come and taste and see that the Lord is good. For my word will make a way for you. For I watch over my word to perform it. No word from God is void of power, but it will accomplish what it is sent to do. Hallelujah. What it is sent to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.